Hey, it's so good to welcome you to Fields Church Online, and we are so pleased that you've tuned in for this message. No matter what's going on in your world right now, we pray that you come away feeling encouraged by this message. And through our songs, we wanted to celebrate your love for us, your sacrifice for us, your love for your people, your compassion, your forgiveness, your body broken for us, your blood shed for us. And Father, as we approach the word of God this morning, thank you for your word, that it's as, it's as true today and as powerful today and as much as alive today as it was back then, back in the day when Jesus walked the earth. And he went about doing good and he touched lives. And that's why we're here as the church today to touch lives. To see lives transformed. For us to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Thank you, Father God, as I share the word of life this morning. I thank you that faith would rise in every heart, dispelling all doubt, fear and unbelief. Thank you that your word is living. It's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it is able to divide that which is of the soul and of the spirit. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the true teacher. I'm just the messenger bringing the message. You are the true teacher. So I pray that hearts will be open. I pray that minds will be open. I pray that ears will be open to receive the living word into hearts that are ready. Say that, my heart is ready. My heart is ready to receive. So let's say that. My heart is ready to receive all that you have for me today, God. And I thank you for this now in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if the youth are going out today, are they? Are they? Okay, the youth are going to go out. That's great. Well, good morning, everybody. How are we all? Are we all? If you've got your Bibles, will you turn with me to Ephesians 5? We're going to have a look at verse 1 in a moment. We want to thank everybody for coming last week. How many of you enjoyed the party last week? Did you enjoy it? Tell your neighbor you enjoyed it so much that you're back here today. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I just want to thank everybody that was involved. Um, I see Jane isn't here today. Jane and Kate not here today? No. Okay, we had a little something for them, but um, we'll wait till next week when they're here. But it's good to see everybody. Last um, two weeks ago, I started a message, The Spirit-Filled Life, which I'm going to conclude today. And then we're going to start a new series next week on the gifts of the Spirit. How many of you are excited about that? Oh, there's a few of you that are really excited. That's great. And I just want to recap briefly. The last time I spoke, I spoke about, uh, I asked the question, when do we receive the Holy Spirit? Because the subject of the Holy Spirit is so vast and so wide to try and um, get everything across in just a few weeks is, is quite challenging. And it, the, the topic of the Holy Spirit can be quite divisive as well among churches. Some people don't want to teach on the Holy Spirit. Some do. Like I said a few weeks ago, I, I met a pastor and his elders told him not even to mention the Holy Spirit in church, which is a bit sad, isn't it? Because he's the third person of the Godhead. Right? Is that right? And I believe he's the most neglected person of the Godhead as well. Where does Jesus live? 
inside of us, doesn't he? Not in a temple, because we are the temple. So how we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive the Holy Spirit when we get saved. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people, some people think that that's all of the Holy Spirit that you're going to get. And I believe my Bible says something quite different. So this is quite a hot topic. And I believe there's a lot of confusion around this teaching because it's not taught as it should be. I believe in churches and I think we should be like the Bereans. Who remembers the Bereans? Who were they? Yeah, Martin does. That's one person who does. What did they do? They searched the scriptures day after day to see if what Paul was teaching was true. So you don't believe a word that I say. Don't believe a word that I say, but believe everything that our Bibles teach us. And don't base your beliefs on some teacher on the internet. Okay, let's not get wisdom from the internet, all right? Get in a good church where they teach the Bible and say praise Jesus for that. And keep an open heart and an open mind about this subject because it is a very, very deep subject. Looking at me like, uh, can you smile back at me sometimes? Is that all right? Get some kind of reaction that's really good. You know, Jesus, the other thing, Jesus, what he didn't say to the, he said, I'm going to send you power. You shall receive the Holy Spirit when you wait for him. That's in the upper room at Pentecost. So this is a separate experience to when we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now, why would we need the power of God? Why did Jesus need it? Why did those disciples need it? And why do you think we need it to be Jesus' hands and feet on the earth? Is that right? Are we meant to touch people's lives with the gospel? The truth of God's word, isn't it? Are you in Ephesians 5 verse 1 yet? We're going to have a look at this. So in his letter to the Ephesian church, we can see in our Bibles that there wasn't just one experience where the disciples were filled with the Spirit. But we can see, we're going to see a few of those as we go through these first few verses this morning. Okay, if you're there in Ephesians 5 verse 1, the New Living says this, don't be drunk with wine. How many of you have been drunk in your life? Hey, do you remember those bad old days when you used to get drunk and you couldn't remember how you got home and the car was in the garage or outside because you can't get a car in a garage today, can you? And you don't remember how you got home. Anyone like that? No one's going to admit it. There's two of us. That's you and me, Charlie. We're the only ones who lived a wild life before we came to Jesus. Come on, we've all lived a little bit of a wild life, haven't we? Turn to your neighbor and say, you look wild to me. <laughs> you see, you've got, you got the wrong spirit in you when you get drunk. Is that right? The Bible doesn't say don't drink, but it says don't be drunk with wine. So if you enjoy a glass of wine, that's entirely, totally up to you. I'm not going to judge you for that because I don't drink. I chose not to drink at some point in my life because in South Africa, I know Kate can... Kate can say amen to this. When you go to the bottle store on a Friday, I used to work opposite a place called Benny Goldberg's, and it was a liquor store. And I would see people. They wouldn't, you wouldn't see guys with a six-pack. Is that right, Tim? You wouldn't see them with a six-pack. They'd go to Benny Goldberg's. They'd get a shopping trolley. Is that right? They'd buy 24 cases of beer. I don't know, all the spirits you can think of, the wrong kind of spirits, and they'd put them in these trolleys, and they'd be wheeling them up the road. So drink in South Africa was a, not a good thing, was it? For those who have lived overseas in a hot country, have a, a nice braai and then take a frosty out of the fridge. Don't do that anymore. But if you drink, that's entirely up to you. Is that all right? I'm not going to judge anybody. 
Do not be drunk with wine, because that will what? What does that verse say? It will ruin your life. It says what? Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That word, be filled in the Greek, is in the imperative progressive, and it means keep on being filled. That's what that word means. So it's not just a one-off experience where you're filled with the Spirit or you're sealed with the Spirit, and that's all of the Holy Spirit that you're going to get. We need to live a life in the power of the Holy Spirit every single day. Why is that? Not just to do what Jesus calls us to do, but how can we live a holy, godly life except with the power of the Holy Spirit working in us? Because the Bible says, be holy as I am holy. How is that possible? That's the Holy Spirit working in us because he works in us, doesn't he? So Paul is saying, be continually, be constantly filled with the Spirit. This isn't a one-off experience. And you know, we can ask God to fill us every day. I don't know about you, but when I get in my office, I spend time with God, I get my Bible out, I start praying, and I start thinking about him, and I ask him to fill me afresh every day. Because you don't know, I don't know what I'm going to face in a day as a pastor, and you don't know what you're going to face in a day as part of this congregation, as a Christian. And we need to be ready when the Holy Spirit prompts us to move when he wants us to speak to people about him. Amen? How many witnesses have we got here? Two. Oh, that's great. Oh, I think I counted five. We all need to be witnesses for Jesus. Is that right? What did Jesus say? Go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel to every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Tend to leave the Holy Spirit out, don't we? So we can ask God to fill us afresh every day. I just wanted to ask a question. And Beth, you led the prayer meeting so well this morning. It was just brilliant. It just lines up with everything that I think I was going to, thought I was going to say this morning. How are you feeling today? How many of you, is there anyone here this morning that's feeling anxious? Anyone feeling anxious? There's a few people in it. Anyone feeling worried? Maybe worried about the future. How many of you feeling scared? Is that what you feel right now? That's what, that's what you sense. Well, I just want to pray over you. And I want to say to you, just be filled. Not be filled with anxiety or worry or fear or concern. But be filled with the Spirit this morning. And I hope that as I share that courage, strength will rise up in your hearts to stand strong when you're in fear. I just want to pray for you guys. Just raise your hands, those, just raise your hands. Just going to pray. Father God, I thank you that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I thank you this morning that these precious people, if they're struggling, whatever they're struggling with, Father God, that they can hand that to you that you can take that from them. Cast your cares upon Jesus, the Bible said, because he cares for you. And I thank you that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If they seem overwhelmed with challenges and problems and fear and anxiety and worry, I pray, Lord Jesus, that that will be dispelled and that you would overwhelm them with a sense of your spirit just touching them, even now as we pray. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? 
liberty, there's freedom. That's why we need to talk more about the Holy Spirit. We know that on the day of Pentecost, the disciples were all filled with the Spirit, listed to them again. Let's have a look in Acts 4.31. We're going to stay in Acts for a little while. Acts 4.31, New King James. And to get the context of this, Peter and John praying for a lame man outside the gate. Beautiful, you remember that? And what happened? The lame man was expecting to receive something from Peter and John. He was looking for money, but he got more than he bargained for. Is that right? And they prayed for the lame man, and he was healed. They arrested Peter and John, but then they let them go. And this is what happens afterwards. They go back to their friends, and this is what we read in Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. How about being in a prayer meeting like that where you start praying and the place is shaking? How would you feel if the place started shaking? What would you feel like? Oh, what, what, what magnitude of earthquake is that today? Can you imagine that? And they probably weren't scared either. The place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were what? What does it say? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And they spoke the word of God with boldness. So right here we can see clearly that they were filled again, showing this that this isn't just a one-off experience. They needed the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives to minister to the people in their day, and we need the same. Let's see what else they prayed. Go back a couple of verses to verse 29. You know, we do have um, these things on the screen, but it is good for you to bring your Bibles. Is that good? Bring your Bibles to church or your electronic device. Start taking notes. Even if you don't like taking notes, start taking notes. Let's see what happened then. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant that yours next. Verse 30. By stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. They threatened Peter and John, the Sanhedrin, these religious leaders of the day, not to go and speak in the name of Jesus again. So what do they do? They go back to their friends, have a prayer meeting, and while they're praying, the whole place gets shaken, and they start praying these prayers. I want to read verse 30 again. By stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Have you been in church meetings where you've seen these things happen? Anybody seen miracles, seen people get out of wheelchairs? Yeah, really, people prayed for, people that were sick. And uh, I don't suppose anyone's seen anyone raised from the dead, have they? I haven't. I know some people that have, but that must be incredible as well. Hey, can you imagine? You'd be scared to death, wouldn't you? You'd probably fall, you'd probably collapse. So can we see this? They prayed, they prayed, and they were filled again. And then they pray that signs and wonders will be done in the name of Jesus. Do we ever pray those scary prayers? That signs and wonders would be done. Who'd like to see that? I think that should be the normal in the church. I really do believe that with all of my heart. And we need to press in and press in deeper to the things of God. Because many people, I don't know, we ask if anyone was feeling worried or scared or whatever, and hands went up. But many people go through life with lots of struggles, don't they? Can you imagine doing that without God? You've got God in your, in your life. You've got God in your life. And yet those troubles still come to you, come to each one of us. We all have problems in life. And how are we going to get through them? With the encouragement and the help of the Holy Spirit, strengthening us from within. That's why we need to read our Bibles and study our Bibles. We can see what happened after this. Look at this. 
They prayed, and what happened? Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. This is the reason for the power. Why do we need that power? To see these things happen in people's lives. Has your life been transformed? Has it really? You're not the same person that you were last year or five years ago or ten years ago. Have you grown in the things of God? Are you maturing in the things of God? I hope so. This is the reason Jesus prayed. He said, go and wait in the upper room and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is what the, the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is all about. And we're going to have a look at that at the moment. And then after the service, what we're going to do, we're going to pray for people to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So what I'd like you to do, if you think you are willing and you'd like to, to come forward and we'll pray for you to receive that baptism. It doesn't make you any more of a Christian. It doesn't make you any less of a Christian. I met an old boy. He was in his 70s. He was one of the first people in the church. Sorry, not an old boy. Because some might be just the other side of 70. Some mature young man of a certain age who was 73, which is still young, isn't it, Martin? 73 still young, and all the over 70s said amen. And he said, he said, I've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I haven't been taught about the Holy Spirit. Does it make me less of a Christian? And this is how he went through his Christian life. And when he was 73, he was liberated. We prayed for him, and he received that baptism, and he went on with God. He's home with the Lord right now, rejoicing in heaven. That's where we want to be, don't we? Hallelujah. You're all quiet on me this morning. You Okay. Are you okay? Ask your neighbor if they're okay. If they're not, just pray for them and then we'll, we'll move on. Let's have a look at a couple of verses to describe all of this. Who remembers who Philip was? He was one of the apostles. And in Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 6, he was waiting on tables. And the, getting the context of what I'm going to share next, in Acts chapter 8, a great persecution came upon the church. And Philip went out, and let's have a look and pick up his story in Acts chapter 8, verse 12. The New Living says this, But now the people believed, everyone say believed. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news, that's good news, isn't it, that they believed, concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a, so they believed, men and women were, what were they? Baptized because we're coming to the point now. Then it says, Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. Simon was a sorcerer in the day, and he was there when Philip began to pray for these people. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles what, what Peter, that Peter performed. And then verse 14 says this, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. Okay, so they've believed. They've been baptized now. Let's go to verse 15. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers. What did they do? They prayed for these new believers. They prayed for these new believers to do what? To receive the Holy Spirit, right? So let's recap. At salvation, we're sealed by the Spirit. Right? So these new believers have believed, they've been water baptized, and now Peter and John come and they pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. So if we get all of the Holy Spirit at salvation, why would they pray for these people to receive the Holy Spirit? Right there and right then. 
Why would they do that? Again, it's a separate experience to us being sealed by the Spirit. Let's have a look at verse 16. It says there, the Holy Spirit had not come upon any of them. Can you see that? The Holy Spirit hadn't come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they believed they'd been water baptized, but they hadn't experienced this fullness of being baptized in the Spirit. What did John say? He said, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. How many of us need the fire in our belly right now? Come on. Let's get a bit excited in church. It's okay. We don't need to be quiet and all, you know, so quiet that we just hear the dormouse running across the floor. That's no good, is it? You need to get a bit more excited in church. Is that all right? Is that okay? Tell, tell your neighbor you look really excited. And then tell yourself, I'm super excited. Come on. But what happened then? Look at this. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? So they've believed, they've been water baptized. Now they receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Let's have a look at the Apostle Paul. He went to Ephesus and found some disciples there in Acts 19 verse 1. Let's see what Paul did. And it happened while... Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and found some, and finding some, what what did he find? He found some disciples, so he got disciples there already. Verse 2 says, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's a good question, isn't it? So we need to ask you that question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? We receive the sealing of the Holy Spirit. But he's talking about another experience outside of that. So they said to him, what did they say? We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So not even heard about the Holy Spirit. Then verse 3. And he said to them, into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. So they have believed and they've been water baptized. But they haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. Like a lot of people today. And I think a lot of people today look at this subject or think about this subject in their churches and think it's too complicated. It's too difficult to understand. So we're not going to go there. We're not going to talk about it. And I think that's why there's a lot of confusion around this issue. And I think that's a bit, I think that's a bit sad. It says, look at this. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him And who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Verse 5. So when they heard this, what happened? So when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke. What? What did they speak? They spoke with tongues and prophesied. What's that? These are the gifts of the Spirit. So we can see the gifts of the Spirit operating there in new believers. They've been They've believed, they've been baptized, and now they're baptized in the Spirit. And they start to speak in tongues and they start to prophesy. How many of you are excited about the next part of this series about the gifts of the Spirit? Because we're going to explain them and what they are. And go through each one in 1 Corinthians 12. That will be some homework for you there. There are other gifts mentioned in other parts of uh, Corinthians. But these are the ones that we're going to focus on. And we're going to see some amazing things. Do you think, here's a good question for you. Do you think as a believer that God would want to give you some of those gifts? Just think about that. Yeah, that's good. 
Can I have a show of hands? There's a few more. That's good. Because God wants to give us these gifts. And these gifts are not for our benefit. They're for the benefit of every person that we come into contact with. I'll tell a story. It's a true story. When Esther and I joined our church in South Africa, we, we ministered in our children's ministry. And most Sundays we would sing songs and we would talk about these things. We'd talk about God the Father. We'd talk about God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we'd demonstrate these things to these kids and who they were, who was, who was God the Father, who was the Son, who was the Holy Spirit. And one day we had a service and we were going to pray for these children to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now there's me thinking, young Christian, hang on a minute, how can that be with little kids like this? They got these kids up, and I'll never forget it. I stand in there, and this little six-year-old kid came up to me, and, and I'm thinking, how's this going to work? I looked at the stature of this kid and the, probably the age of the kid. He was about six, and I thought, gee, I, I started doubting in my mind. I've got to pray for this kid. And I said to him, what's your name? He told me his name. I said, why have you come up here? He said, because I want you to pray for me. And I said, why is that? He said, you're going to pray for me to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And he said, I said, do you think he can do that? And he said, yeah. And I prayed for that little kid and he just began to speak in tongues. It amazed, never again would I doubt. You don't look at the age or the size of that child, but the spirit within that child. How many of you know, and Mary was pregnant, that Mary went to go and see Elizabeth? Do you know this story? Went to go and see Elizabeth. And they were chatting and what happened? The baby... John the Baptist leapt in the womb when he was in the presence of Jesus. Why would he do that? That baby's alive. His spirit is alive. And the Bible says that John the Baptist was baptized in the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. That's true. Did anyone know that story? Anyone read that? You haven't read that, right? I'll bring that verse next week to show you. Because don't believe a word I say. Is that all right? Don't believe a word I say. You go and search that out for yourself. That baby leapt in the womb. That tells me that that spirit is alive in that child, that unborn child. So you pregnant mums, when that baby starts leaping, when you sing praise songs, they're leaping for Jesus already. They're getting excited. Have you had anything like that yet, Becky? <laughs> Not yet, no. Oh, the baby's kicking. We've got this praise song on and the child's going mad inside. Let me out of here. I want some freedom and some liberty. We mustn't be scared of these things. We need to teach these things so that we can understand. Then you can make your mind up, your own mind up, this is something that I want or something that I really don't want. And that really is up to you. Say to your neighbor, I'm excited about next week. Okay. Let's have a look at this, um, these last couple of verses before I close. Let's have a look at Luke 11.13. If we're going to get all of the Holy Spirit when we're saved, just look at this verse. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So if we're sealed at salvation and that's all of the Holy Spirit we're going to get, why would Jesus say that? Why would Jesus say that? So we need to go to Jesus and say, Lord, I I want this. I want the Holy Spirit in my life. And if you ask him for it, he'll give him to you. It's a free gift. Who likes free gifts? 
Christmas is coming. I like gifts. There's plenty of you here, so I'll give you a list afterwards. So why would Jesus say that if at salvation that's all of the Holy Spirit that we're going to get? And then Jesus also says this in John 7, 38. He who, what, believes in me. Any believers here this morning? He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers. Everyone say rivers. It's not a little trickling stream. Rivers of what? Living water. What's this all about? I learned in church today, the pastor said that I can go home and rivers of living water are going to come out of my belly or out of my heart. What's that all about? Next verse tells us, doesn't it? But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those, what? Believing in him, what? Would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Do you understand what that verse says? It wasn't until Jesus died and rose that the fullness of the Spirit could come. We can see in the Gospels where Jesus went out, laid hands on sick people and they recovered. And then he sent some out two by two. He sent the 70 out and some came back and said, oh, even the demons you know, were subject to us in your name. Do you remember that story, that part of the Bible? But they didn't get the, res- the fullness of the Spirit until the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. That's what this verse is all about. So what do rigid rivers conjure up in your mind? When you think about a river, what do you think about? Sort of raging torrents. That word, that word river in that verse means flood or torrent. And the word for flow in this verse means continuous, continuously moving. And that's what, what this is talking about is this continuous flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we yield to him and say, Lord, you do in me what you want to do in me. Please use me for your glory. Allow these gifts to flow through me, Lord. And again, they're not for our benefit, but they're for the benefit of others. And we're going to see that next week. So let's just close our eyes for a moment. Thank you, Father. You know, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, just like God is a gentleman. And he's not going to force his way into our lives unless we want to accept him into our lives. Just like salvation. You know, God knocks at the door of our hearts when we're in services like this. I remember going to a church service and giving my life to Jesus fully and surrendering to him. That was 40 years ago. You know, I haven't looked back since. And God has done such, I know because I know me, God has done such an amazing work in my life that my life has changed. And that's all down to allowing God into my heart, allowing the Holy Spirit to use me and change me as he wanted to change me. You know, going to church is a really good thing, and I want to say we should do that. But that doesn't make us a Christian. Giving our lives to Jesus, opening our hearts up and accepting him as our Lord and Savior makes us a Christian. All those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, the Bible says. Am I speaking to you this morning? Maybe you're here and you think you're here by accident. I don't believe you're here by accident. And as I've been speaking, God's been knocking on the door of your heart. And you know, friend, he wants to come in. He wants to come in and save you. Wants to come in and set you free. 
Am I talking to you this morning? The problem with that handle, the door of the heart, is that the handle is on the inside. And we've got to open our hearts up and say, Lord, come on in. And I know many of you have done that in your lives before you came to Jesus. You, when you surrendered your life to Jesus, you just opened the door of your heart to let him in. And I'm asking, friend, am I speaking to you today? If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, while heads are bowed, just while eyes are closed, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. And God's speaking to you right now to just raise your hand up and say, that's me. You're talking to me. Anyone this morning want to give their life to Jesus, just raise your hand up. I'll see it. And more importantly, God will see it. Okay, it looks like we're all right with God at the moment. What about those who maybe have been on a journey with God and they've gone to church maybe most of their life and they maybe wandered away for whatever reason. You know, church should be the safest place that we go to. And sometimes it's not. I know many people that have been hurt in churches, not necessarily hurt by God, but maybe people within the church not being sensitive or, or whatever, or people get offended for no good reason. Maybe you've just drifted away from God. Am I speaking to you today? You know God wants you back. Are you willing to just raise your hand up and surrender to Jesus and say, Lord, I want to come back to you. I've just fallen away, but today I just want to recommit my life to you today. Is anyone here like that this morning? Just raise your hand up and say, that's me. You're talking to me this morning. We'll pray for you after the service. Okay, looks like we're all right with God. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have some fellowship, tea and coffee. If you have any prayer needs, and I, when I asked the question earlier on about people being anxious or afraid or scared or whatever, and you need prayer this morning, please come forward and we've got a prayer team here. They'll pray for you. And if there's anyone here who wants to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, come and talk to myself or one of the ladies here that are going to pray for you. And we can discuss that and pray for you if you so wish. I'm just going to close the service and uh, we can have some fellowship. Father God, I thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your church, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for the Holy Spirit. Who, who abides with each one of us, Father, making us the temple of God. Thank you, Father God, for all that you've done, all you're doing in our lives and all you're about to do in our lives. Thank you, Father God, as we go right now, that your angels would camp around about us, keep us safe, free from harm, until we can meet again in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Please stay for tea and coffee if you can. Be good to chat uh, to you. People will be up the front. The prayer team will be up here with lanyards on and it'll have prayer team on. Please, if you need prayer, just come forward and people.